God, you have made us in your image. We are free to choose how to conduct our lives. We are free to choose what we believe in. With your fatherly grace, you allow us to explore and find our unique way in this world you have created. You have given us the tools to inquire and to reason, senses to feel and understand. For this, we give thanks to you. Today's reading is from the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 9. Someone from the crowd answered Jesus, Teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. Jesus answered them, You faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Robbers? Men? Nothing. The rectangular base of a heavy metal sign stood right over the surname. The placement was so exact, it had to be deliberate. Well, I knew Darwin's middle name was Robert, and the years were bright. It was Darwin, all right, but why had they covered him up? Service was lovely. Between tightly packed chairs, I gamely attempted the Anglican calisthenics. Up, down, sit, stand, kneel. You put your right foot in, you put your right foot out. <laughs> Even kneeling on the hard cathedral floor. Afterwards, I realized the south transept where I'd been sitting was in Poet's Corner. More luck. But I still kept wondering, why had they covered up Darwin? Some people treat Darwin like a kind of anti-God. They're shocked to find Darwin in church. But that isn't right. So let's uncover Darwin. Here's the Darwin we know. Here's the Darwin we know. After childhood in Shrewsbury, Darwin learned science at Cambridge from two professor mentors, a geologist named Sedgwick a biologist named Henslow. After college, kind of like grad school, he signed on to a two-year voyage aboard the HMS Beagle to South America, where he became the naturalist. The two-year voyage turned into five years, kind of like grad school. But it was the high point of his life, melding love of nature with adventure and the seedbed of his greatest scientific insights. If you like Wordsworth, and Darwin did, these were his bounding like a row years. He rode the grasslands with the gauchos, found fossil sloths in Patagonia, felt an earthquake in Chile, hiked the Andes, saw the wildlife of the Galapagos. Wordsworth again, knowing that nature never did betray the heart that loved her. His her privilege through all the years of this our life to lead from joy to joy. He returned, married Emma Wedgwood, had a passel of kids, and 
hunkered down at his microscope and writing desk. He was a bon vivant with boundless curiosity. He studied barnacles and plants. He wondered if oysters have free will. He tried to teach an orangutan to play the harmonica. He and Wallace introduced the world to natural selection, evolution to natural selection, and he published The Origin of Species in 1859 and a shelf full of books thereafter. He was regarded as a kind and generous man by his fellow villagers at Down in Kent and lived to see the fame and honor that his work produced. That's the Darwin we know. Now here's the Darwin you may not know. Although his father was a skeptic, Darwin adopted the Anglican faith in childhood, and his major course of study at Cambridge was theology. And he was good. He placed 10th on his theology exams in a class of over 200. His mentors, Sedgwick and Henslow, weren't just scientists, they were also Anglican clergymen. He took long walks with Henslow, talking about biology and theology. On board the Beagle, he attended sermons by the pious Captain Fitzroy. He became an advocate of Christian overseas missions, which was the subject of his first publication. On Sundays, he said, he read the Greek New Testament for recreation. Yeah, yeah, I have a few choice words for the Koine Greek, none of which is recreation. <laughs> then, before he stepped off the ship onto land in South America, before his greatest discoveries, also a time of great danger, he and a companion asked the ship's chaplain to give them the Lord's Supper. There, kneeling on the hard wooden deck of the beagle, Darwin at communion. Jesus built the Lord's Supper on the foundation of the Jewish Passover meal with its undercurrent of rescue from danger. Jesus shared that first supper with his best friends, even though he knew that one would deny him and one would doubt him. Notice, doubters welcome at the table from the very start. Nowadays, we give the invitation to communion this way. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, you are welcome here. It's true. Charles and Emma Darwin and their children sat in St. Mary's Church every Sunday and Emma instructed them in the faith at home. But by middle age, Darwin's relationship with God's status had changed from in a relationship to it's complicated. <laughs> he read David Hume and knew about German higher criticism. He was troubled by violence in the Old Testament and traditional views of the afterlife. Nowadays, we regard historical and critical approaches to scripture as friends to faith. And questioning traditional doctrines is hardly uncommon for believers. But those Victorians, they only heard Matthew Arnold's melancholy, long, withdrawing roar. For Darwin, though, the real break came when little Annie Darwin, aged 10, in the light of her parents' lives, died of tuberculosis. Darwin hovered over her every minute of her final days. After that, Darwin would walk his family to the church door, but he wouldn't go in ever again. Though you'll be happy to know that he continued his regular church contributions for the rest of his life. Apparently you can lose your faith, but you never lose those little offering envelopes. <laughs> Instead, he walked the lanes around the church. Walking was always his way of thinking. Wonder what he thought about. 
he seems to have believed in a God. He protested that he was not an atheist, that maybe that God was not a good God. Still, it's complicated. When Darwin wrote to Emma, especially about Annie, his sentences are full of thanks to God and wishes that God would bless Emma and cherish her. Things like that, too, to his cousin Fox. I don't think he was just humoring them. Sometimes it seems when people aren't comfortable with traditional communities of faith, they forge tiny communities of trust, like a church in their mutual hearts. Although Darwin didn't lose faith over evolution, some Victorians thought Darwin's theories undermined faith. When his mentor Sedgwick was very old, he wrote to Darwin, scolding him for his lack of faith and urged him to accept Christian revelation. How weird would that be if 20 years after you graduate, your old geology professor writes to you and tells you to get your faith act together? But Darwin was anxious that his theories not dissuade people from belief. He paid to publish a pamphlet by Harvard botanist Asa Gray called Natural Selection Not Inconsistent with Natural Theology. He quoted theologian Charles Kingsley to the same effect in The Origin. And at the end of The Origin, he added these famous words. There is grandeur in this view of life with its several powers, having been originally breathed by the creator into a few forms or into one, and that from so simple a beginning, endless forms most beautiful and most wonderful have been and are being evolved. Contemporary people think faith is complicated. The biggest religion story of recent years has been the growth of the nuns, as in none of the above, who don't know if there's a God or don't care, and the duns who are done with church. What the polls don't show is that people have different faith directions and intensities throughout their lives. See, the journey of faith is like walking the labyrinth, that circular walking maze found in some cathedrals. Sometimes you're near the center, sometimes you're far away, but the center is always there. Even better, the CLU labyrinth out behind the chapel is on even ground because sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, oh yes, Lord. I want us all to be Sedgwick's and Henslow's, but the truth is a lot of us are Darwin's. But sometimes we can find a community to make a church in our hearts, and we can receive back the faith we lost, even if the one we find isn't exactly the same as the one we lost. The man in the gospel text that Will read went right up to Jesus and talked about his unbelief and asked for help. We can do that too. So. Climb those mountains, read those poets, use your microscope, enjoy the marvelous gift of the natural world. But listen up, because this is your old geology professor talking. Don't forget to hear that invitation to come to the table with your friends. Come kneel with doubters and deniers, or if you are one or when you are one, because wherever you are on your journey of faith, you're welcome here. Please stand. Let us pray. Holy God, my life of faith is like a walk through a labyrinth. At times I come closer to your presence and at times I move away. At times I'm unsure of my path and hesitate. Along the way I may take many different trails, yet I know you are always there. Help me, God, to feel 
that wherever I go, you are with me. Amen. God bless you and protect you through your journey of life. May you find peace and righteousness with the people you meet. May you be the light unto the nations for those who are in need of you. May your heart carry your feet. May God bless America and all those who protect it. Amen. Amen.